You're listening to a Garden City Chapel podcast by Dr. Robert Shaw. For a complete archive of podcasts, visit our website at www.gardencitychapel.com. Isn't that exciting to know that our Redeemer lives? We're not here to worship a, uh, a Savior that's in the grave, but we worship a Savior that has risen from the grave. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Peter been preaching through first and second Peter this summer and we come now to the end of the first chapter of second Peter I want to ask you a question as you find that it, whose testimony is more reliable to you someone who has seen what happened or somebody that just heard about it obviously to get the most reliable testimony you want to get as close to the eyewitness as you possibly can most towns now have television stations that have eyewitness news. I don't, I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> it probably wouldn't be real effective if the anchors got on and said, here's what we hear is happening. Now, what do they want to do? They want to take a camera out to the scene. I mean, they want to have helicopters in the air. They want to have reporters there within moments after it happened. And they want to give you testimony, witness from eyewitnesses who actually saw it. One of the places that I guess I'm most befuddled by is people that send me forwards for emails. And they don't do it as much anymore because I've kind of shamed them into not doing it anymore. But I love the ones that used to say, you know, if you'll just send this email to 12 more people, Bill Gates is going to send you a laptop computer. And so, I, you know, I just thought, oh, okay, let me call this person. I, I, you know, I called the person that forwarded it. Have you gotten your laptop yet? And what's the answer always? Well, no, I hadn't gotten mine, but I know somebody that did. Really? No, this is not a hoax. (laughs) This really happened. It's like they're going to track your email, and you're going to get a laptop, or you're going to get a vacation, or you're going to get some of these things. And what is that? That's not eyewitness. It's not something that actually happened to them. It's just I heard that this happened to somebody else. That's the problem that can happen when you don't get eyewitness accounts. And that's really the word that Peter uses in the passage this morning is about, hey, I'm an eyewitness of this. So the account that Peter shares for us this morning and what he's sharing with these people scattered, and if you know anything about the letter of First and Second Peter, this wasn't a letter just sent to one church. He pretty much sent it to every church, and you can actually go back to First Peter chapter 1, and he tells you the towns that he sent it to. Well, it's now come to Garden City. And what we have is not hearsay evidence. We have a firsthand account And I love what he says in this passage, of someone who has beheld the majesty of God. Let's read this passage then. 2 Peter chapter 1, begin reading in verse 12. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them, and even have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This 
is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Peter writes 1 Peter and now 2 Peter to a group of growing believers who he loved dearly. And you get a sense of that in what he says here. First of all, by this eyewitness reminder. Peter says, I'm always ready. I'm always ready to remind you of what? Well, the first 11 verses have been primarily concerned with a couple of things. Number one, that these people would understand the grace of God. Grace is receiving something you do not deserve. And so the first few verses of this chapter, he's told them that because of their faith in Christ, God has granted to them everything they need for life and godliness. He's also granted to them His great and magnificent promises, His precious and magnificent promises. And then he goes on in the next few verses then and talks about the result of that faith will be these things in your life, this godly seven characteristics that he gives them, that these will be growing in their life. And so Peter then comes to the therefore. He says, because that is the truth, I'll never get tired of reminding you you ever have anybody remind you of stuff? Students, I know your parents, you know, your mom. Drive carefully. Like, what are the other options? Use your road rage. You know, what, what are the other options to that? Mom, I got it. You want me to drive carefully. You don't have to remind me of that. You know, wear clean underwear. Okay, Mom, I got that one too. You know, moms are so afraid their children are going to be in a wreck and the emergency room doctor is going to see they don't have on clean underwear and think, where is the mother here? You know, you're reminded of these things. And so why do we have to be reminded? In fact, to be reminded of something, it's got to be something you already know, right? If you're hearing it for the first time, it's not a reminder. It's new information. You're being taught. But what Peter says is, I know you already know this, but I'm just reminding you. Why do we need to be reminded? You don't have to answer out loud. Let's just think about it. We have to be reminded because we're forgetful. And maybe even worse than that, Maybe we take things for granted. There are people that will pay thousands of dollars to come and stay at the beach and enjoy it. They will spend every moment they can out there getting sunburned and jellyfish stung and whatever else happened to them this week. But people that live here, you know what I've learned? We forget the beach is out there. I know you're going to find this amazing, but there's times that I walk across the yard here to my office from my house and I'll hear the waves crash and I'll go, what is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was just a little reminder that there's a beach over there. Now, did I know there was a beach over there? Yeah, I, was, I, I knew that and I hadn't really forgotten that it was over there, but I needed to be reminded. That's what Peter is saying to these folks. He's saying, you know what? I know that you were already established in this. I know that your faith in Christ is a settled issue so he's talking to believers 
But he also says, I'm never, I'm always going to be ready. I'm never going to get tired of bringing these things to your memory. In fact, I think one of the reasons he thought I need to continue to bring them to your memory is Peter thought, I'm not always going to be here. And we'll address that in just a few moments. But listen, you already know it. But don't take for granted God's grace. Again, don't answer this out loud. But do you ever do that? Do you ever live your life as if God didn't exist? I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to folks. It's a settled issue that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. And if you were to die tonight, you'd go to heaven. But do you ever at times just forget that? Folks, we need to be reminded of that. One of the ways you're reminded of that is by doing things like you're doing today. Go to church. Be involved in a, a fellowship of believers where you're studying the Bible. Another way that you're reminded of it is is to spend that time every day. Open your Bible every morning and just be reminded of the mercies of God that are new every day. Spend time with other believers. Tell other people what God's doing in your life, and God may use that as a reminder for them of, yes, that's right, God's grace is, is awesome. So Peter says, even though it's present with you, I won't get tired of reminding you. And then he goes on and kind of gives a little bit of a prophecy when he says, you know, I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling. As long as I got my earth suit on, basically, is what Peter's saying. Peter realized, not always going to be here with you, but as long as I'm walking around with this tent on, then I'm going to be a constant reminder. But then he goes on to say, because I know the laying aside of this earthly dwelling is imminent. That's the thing that amazes me about the writers of the New Testament, and Peter in particular right here. Peter is writing to a group of people to encourage them in the faith, and most likely Peter by this time is in Rome in prison. And not long after this, Peter will be put to death. He says, I know that my death, my laying aside of this earthly dwelling is imminent. In fact, I love the way he puts it. He doesn't talk about his death. He really just talks about the fact, hey, I'm going to kind of lay this aside because God is going to call me home, and I'm going to be spending the rest of eternity with him in heaven. So it's not a finality for it. It's just, you know, I'm leaving this here. This part, this earth suit, I don't need it anymore. I'm leaving it here. And I realize that's imminent. In fact, he says, because Jesus made that clear to me. Also, our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. Well, how did he make it clear to him? In John chapter 21, we read this. Jesus says this to Peter. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now, this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. What was, what was Jesus saying to Peter? saying, Peter, there's going to come a time in your life where you're going to be led by a group of people, and you're going to be led somewhere you don't want to go. You're going to be led to death. And so Peter recognized he wasn't going to die of old age. In fact, Jesus tells him how he's going to die. He says, you're going to stretch out your hands. How did Peter die? Peter was crucified. History tells us, tradition tells us, that he didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. He was crucified upside down. And so Peter knew Ever since Jesus told him that, he had never forgotten that that day is going to come. And not just that it's imminent that he was probably about 70 years old at this time, and he thought, that's, I'm probably getting towards that day when that's going to happen. I'm in prison. They're threatening me. They're telling me that he's in prison because he's preaching the gospel. 
He's in prison because of Jesus Christ and his faith in Christ. And so he knows it's probably imminent, but really more than that, it was sudden. It, it wasn't going to be a long, protracted illness. It was going to be one day, finally, some soldiers were going to come to his prison cell and take him out for the last time and crucify him. And so Peter knew that. Now, if you knew that you were about to die, what would you do differently? You ever thought about that? There, there have been some people in this room, including myself, that have had near-death experiences. And in those moments, you don't have a lot of time to think, but you start thinking about what I might like to say to someone or what I might to have liked to have done different in this circumstance. So, again, you don't have to answer this out loud, but let me just ask you, if, if there's something God's putting on your heart right now that if you knew that today was your last day, that death was imminent for you, what would you do? And if your answer is, well, some of you say, well, I'd, I'd pray to receive Jesus Christ. I've kind of been putting that off. You've been thinking you have another day. Listen, today is the day of salvation. Give your life to Christ today. If there's some of you that are thinking, well, I'd, I'd straighten my act up. I'd, I'd really surrender my life to Christ and quit trying to do this on my own because I've been making a mess of it, then do it now. Maybe it's, you know what, I'd tell somebody about Jesus. If I, had, if I knew that I was going to die today, there's some people that are real close to me that I just would want to make sure that they knew Jesus. Then do it. And that's really what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, I know that life is about over for me, and so that's why I'm writing this to you. And as soon as it gets down on paper, I can die because now this letter can be spread. And all it's telling you about is the grace of God and your response to that grace. So he knew that his life was imminent. And I've, I've joked about this before, and I've, I've got to say it again. If I'm in a prison cell, the letter you're going to get from me is, hey, how about getting me out of prison? But I appreciate the fact for Peter, you never hear that in his letters. You never hear him complain about the conditions in prison. What's he doing? He's thinking about these people that he loved dearly and wanted to make sure that they didn't forget the goodness of God. So he says, my departure is imminent. So I've got to make this clear. I've got to make this certain to you. I will use diligence so that you can call these things to mind, even after my departure. Now, how are they going to be able to call it to mind after his departure? Well, hopefully, if he says it to them enough times, they'll remember it. But also, he put it down in writing. Now, this is kind of discouraging for preachers, but some studies tell us that you forget within about an hour after hearing something, you forget about 90% of what you heard. Well, that's real discouraging. <laughs> so that's why sometimes as preachers, we try to say it more than one time, and we try to say it more than one way. We use things like screens so that, you know, you see it. We, we give you places to write notes so that maybe you'll remember. you remember a whole lot more things you write. So that's what Peter's saying. Hey, I'm, I'm telling you this stuff over. I know you already know it, but I'm reminding you of it because it's very important. And he's writing it down so that they won't forget it even after he goes. Now, what's Peter doing? Peter is fulfilling the commission that Jesus gave him. You remember about the last conversation that Peter has with Jesus just one-on-one? -on -one? Remember where that took place? Right after the resurrection on the side of the sea. Remember what Jesus said to him? Peter, do you love me? Peter said, oh, you know I love you. Then tend my sheep. Take care of the flock. Shepherd the people. Folks, that's, that's what he's doing here. He's being a shepherd to a group of people. 
Let me ask you this. Who shepherds you? Look back over the course of your Christian life. Who have been the shepherds that God has used to remind you of these things and to help you grow in faith? It would be a good idea to regularly thank those people, those men and women that have been shepherds for you. But then as you mature in faith, I've got to ask you this question. Who are you shepherding? Let Peter be an example that Peter loved these people so dearly that if he had one last thing to say to them, it wouldn't be get me out of prison. It wouldn't be to complain about the food. It would be to make sure they knew the grace of God. So my prayer for you is right now, I'm praying that God is bringing some people to your mind. First of all, that you could say thank you for caring enough about me to shepherd me. And then as you mature and take responsibility, I'm praying that God will bring some people across your path that you'd say, you know what, God? These are people you've placed under my care that I'm going to shepherd. I'm not going to wait till I'm on my deathbed because, God, I don't know if I have another day. I'm not going to hope this can happen next week. I'm going to take care of it today. That's the eyewitness reminder. Then let's look at the eyewitness testimony. I love this about Peter. Peter, a lot of what he's writing is because they're false teachers of that day. And so Peter just hits it straight on. He said, listen, we didn't follow cleverly devised tales we didn't follow clever myths. And yet that's what the false teacher of the day was saying. They were talking to these Christians and saying, you don't need to believe that. That's just a myth. We know that in that day and time, they had a lot of mythical gods. If you remember Acts chapter 17, when Paul got to Rome, he looked around and he said, y'all got a god for everything. In fact, you got one over there called the god for the unknown god. If you don't know his name, you got a statue just so you can say, just in case we forgot one, there's a god. And it was all mythical. Nobody had first-hand relationship with any of these gods. They were just myths. And Peter says, that's not what we're following. We're not following a myth, and I can prove it to you because well, I'm not following something I heard about. We didn't follow cleverly devised tales. We were eyewitnesses. But let me, let me share something that will scare you a little bit. It scares me a little bit as a pastor. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. We've got that on the screen. Watch this. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn, aside, uh, turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Wow. What's he talking about? He's talking about from the time he wrote that until finally Jesus Christ returns. Men and women are going to become increasingly tired of hearing the truth. And so they just want to hear stuff that entertains their ears. And they'll turn aside from the truth, and they'll turn to things that are just myth. Be careful. Be careful. Some of you may be living in the last generation before Christ comes. So understand, this will happen. So what do you do then? When you hear a preacher say something, you test it. You find out, is he just telling me some story? You know the old thing about preachers, you know, they'll tell these illustrations. You're like, was that, that really happened or are you just a preacher? You know, you're just telling a preacher story. You need to find out if what the preacher's saying can be backed up by the truth of God's Word. And if it can't, don't listen to it. He said, we didn't follow cleverly devised tales, but you've got to understand something. I was an eyewitness. This is Peter. And then he gives an illustration. Peter got to go up on the holy mountain. And he got to see the transfiguration. He got to see God. He got to hear God the Father speak to the Son. 
In fact, it's Mark chapter 9 if you'd like to look at it. Let's look, look at the account. I think I've got it on the screen for you. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his garments became radiant and exceedingly white as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone. If you had an experience like that, you would never get over it. And that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, folks, I'm not following some Savior that I heard somebody talk about. I've had firsthand encounter with him myself. And, folks, I want to tell you, I haven't seen Jesus physically on the mountain, but I have a relationship with him. It's firsthand. We don't go find a grave somewhere and worship at a tomb of a dead Savior. We have a Savior that lives. And the reason I know he lives is because he lives in me. Do you know him? Peter said, this is an eyewitness account we got to behold His majesty. I don't know how to illustrate that. I thought about what's the most majestic thing that I've ever seen, and you could say, well, you could go out here to the ocean and you see the majesty of the waves, and if you've never watched it, the first few times you see it, when a storm comes in, you just want to go and watch. I've never seen lightning like you'll see over the ocean. I've Grown up where there were trees everywhere, and so you see a little lightning bolt. You get to the ocean, and you see lightning fingers out over the ocean. You can see things like water spouts. If you're not from here, you could go to the mountains, and you see the majesty of the mountains and how the colors at sunrise and sunset, and when the leaves change, it, it's, to our word, it's majestic. You can maybe even go to, you know, the painted desert out west or any of these places, and what are you looking at? You're looking at something that God created. Well, he's more majestic than that. Why? Because that's just stuff he made. It reflects some of his majesty, but it doesn't reflect all of it. And so we're at a loss to understand when Peter says we beheld his majesty. He literally saw Jesus changed before him. Jesus didn't look like he did on earth anymore. He took on the majesty that he had left before to come to earth, to die for your sins. And I believe that's what we're going to see someday when we finally see Jesus face to face, is the majesty of God. Peter says we were eyewitnesses of that. And then last, the eyewitness prophecy. Two real important things that he says here. He says, we have this prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention. What's he talking about? Peter's really talking about the Scripture they had in that day, which was the Old Testament. We now have the New Testament. Peter was writing some of it when he wrote this. What's he saying? We've got this prophetic word, and you do well to pay attention to it. How do we pay attention to it? Well, we don't pay attention to it by just sticking it on a shelf somewhere. It's amazing to me what some people do with their Bibles. When I graduated from seminary, I had a guy give me his Bible with his name on the cover. I never, still don't understand that. 
I think he thought, hey, this guy is graduating from seminary. The most appropriate thing I could do is I'm going to give him my Bible. You know, my thought is, don't you think maybe I've already got one? When we got married, someone gave us one of these big Bibles as a wedding present. It's a coffee table Bible. It was real big. It's like you couldn't ever carry it anywhere. And the funny thing is it had like all the pictures of the United States presidents in the back of it. I don't remember any of them being in the Bible. <laughs> but there they were. And it was white and it was pretty and I don't even know where it is today. But for a while we kept it on the coffee table. Not even sure we had a coffee. We probably had to go buy a coffee table so we had a place to put the coffee table Bible. But folks, if the only thing your Bible does is just collects holy dust, you're not paying attention to it. And really, if the only time you ever hear the Bible read is in church on Sunday morning, you're really not paying attention to it either. Yes, that's a good thing to do. But folks, we have the Word of God. And we take it for granted. You know what? You can read this yourself. You can understand it yourself. Because if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives in you and He can... He can bring this stuff right off the pages into your life. And if you don't know God, maybe there's times you read this and you're like, I don't get it. Well, here's what you need to get. You need a relationship with the author. So Peter, first of all, says, pay attention. Then he says this, know this first. No prophecy of Scripture is by anyone's own interpretation. In other words, nobody just dreamed this stuff up. They didn't sit in a room somewhere and vote on what they were going to put here. This came from God. It didn't come by act of the human will. It came from God, and it didn't come from human interpretation. It came from God. And, folks, I just want to say this is trustworthy. I know some of you think, well, you know, this was written 2,000 years ago. That's all right. I think God took care of what got written. And I think God took care of how it's gotten to us. And I think this is important enough that I can read it with full reliability that this is the Word of God that I should pay attention to. So let me close with this thought. Have you responded to this reliable prophecy from God? One of the things that Peter will talk about later on in this letter is the return of Christ. But folks, that's not the only prophecy in Scripture. Nearly a fourth of of scripture is prophetic it's stuff that's going to happen well what's going to happen is jesus christ is going to come back and he's going to take those that are his to himself let's pray together bow your heads with me